Thanks, Josh. Good morning, church. My name is Pastor Scott. Super glad to be with you here as we're continuing this series just a couple weeks in now called Encounters with Christ. All summer long, we're going to tell Jesus stories, primarily from the book of Luke. So you can be reading along. And the idea is that in encountering where Jesus encounters people in Luke, we would find ourselves in the story. And I said it last week. Some of you were gone. I'll say it again. At times, in our context of Bethany, Preaching about Jesus is some of the most challenging work because for a lot of us, we've been believers for a while. We know these stories. We've heard these stories. Some of us are in ministry. We've, we've taught these stories. Uh, the point of the series is that each and every one of us would once again find ourselves in love with Jesus, encountering him. And I'm a firm believer that uh, we can't have too much Jesus in our teaching. So when you start to tune out, because like, well, you know, the full nets, whatever, Put yourself back into the story and say, where does Jesus want to encounter me again this morning? And this encounter is with Christ. So let me pray, and I believe that God's got an exciting word for all of us this morning. Lord God, thank you so much for this church, your people. Uh, As we just gather under the authority of your scripture, we pray for people of the church traveling this week. We know there's a lot of people gone. We pray traveling mercies over them, that camping or family reunions or other adventures, that they would be safe and, and rejoin us when they come back. We thank you for those here gathered in the room this morning. Lord, we know that as we gather and your word is proclaimed, lives are changed. And so would you change our lives again and again and again. May we hear ourselves in the story of Peter's calling. May we be reminded that we're called as men and women, young and old, uh, to fall in love with you again. Lord God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. And all God's people said, amen. Encounters with Christ, week two, the title's Knowing Our Calling. Knowing Our Calling. Uh, Luke 5, it's pretty excited, I'm not going to lie to you, pretty excited to teach this story this morning. As you know, I'm a fisherman, I love stories of the sea, so it's like, oh, another fishing story for Scott, surprise, surprise. But this is a great, this is a great message in what happens uh, as Peter kind of comes face to face with the power of God and leaves everything to follow him. We're talking this morning about calling, and I just want to challenge at the outset. For a lot of us, we think a calling, we think it's what I do for a living. So if I'm a, if I'm a kid, I go to school. That's my job. I'm called to be a kid going to school. Students, like, okay, I'm called to, like, go into junior high or high school. Parents, like, well, it's whatever. You know, I'm a stay-at-home dad, a stay-at-home. That's my calling. Or I work at Boeing. All right? Calling and work often just get used as synonyms in our Christian culture. It's fine. It's good. But actually, as men and women, followers of Jesus, we're called to something else. We're called to follow a rabbi. We're called to follow this high king who is changing our lives. And yes, that calling extends into our vocational context. It it goes with us into our homes, raising kids, or into our roommate situations, or into the classroom if we're a student. But the fact of the matter is we're called to something bigger than just what we do. We're called, as men and women follow Jesus, to who we are to fall in love with Jesus. And to love other people the way he would love them. This is, the, this is the big message that comes through today's text. That we're called to something bigger than just what we do. Peter learned this. I, I, I had went through a season where, where I was like wrestling with this. Where you know, I, I, I knew that God was calling me to, to participate in a life of ministry. I knew that God was, I was working as a fisherman in Canada. Our family owned a fishing business in Canada. And I knew that God was calling me into the church. And for some years, we, were, we had started Bethany North. It was much smaller. We were in a different place. I was still running my business in Canada. So I was bivocational. I was part-time, you know, running a business in Canada through, through the summer. And, and part-time 
running a church in Seattle, and I felt like that was one thing too many, and I was praying for God to take it from me. And so through the great provision of God, there was a woman of this church who said, hey, I know you want to get rid of the fishing business. I think I know a guy. So often God works through our relationships or through the things he puts on our hearts and praise Jesus. This young, smart woman uh, just said, I want to listen to what God put on my heart. She put me in touch with a man, said, I think he might want to buy your fishing business. We've been trying to sell for a couple years. And here's the, like, it's a long story, but here's the fact of the matter. My nets were empty. Like the business was, it was fine, but my heart wasn't in anymore. Financially, we were struggling. Like it just felt like empty nets if I was going to use the language from Luke 5. We needed to sell it. Like debt was piling up. There was less joy for my family being up there. I was like, you know, I just don't think that's what, it, what I, we're being called to. And, and so thankfully, this woman said, well, I think I know this guy. So in September of 2014, I went up to Canada to take this guy fishing. Because I knew if he, if he had luck out fishing, he's a diehard fisherman. If I could show him the area and I could talk to him about it, he might want to buy the business. So I, I caught a ferry. I drove up, prayed like crazy, got on the phone with like spiritual mentors, said, you know, there's a very significant meeting about to happen. You know, how do I position myself? Should I tell this story about the lodge or this? And my mentor, my young life leader growing up, he's like, just tell the truth. Just tell the truth and love Jesus and take him fishing. And I'm on this ferry heading to Vancouver Island and I'm praying like crazy. I remember walking up and down the aisles, kind of looking out over the inside passage as the sun was kind of coming up and I, people probably thought I was nuts. I was just praying, Lord God, I want to take this guy fishing, but as we all know, there's a difference from just fishing and actually catching. Like, when we just be successful? I, I met the guy, we go out fishing. And again, this is September of 2014. Like it's really late for our run. Most of the salmon are in the river. It was the wrong time of year. It was the wrong time of day. I hadn't even been on the water all that much. I'm like, well, I'll take you fishing and just tell you stories about the area. And as we went out fishing, I'm like praying, Lord Jesus, please just fill our boats. Fishing I know has been slow. I know it's the wrong time of year, but may we have salmon in our boats. No more empty nets. Like, please, Jesus. Like if this guy catches fish, he's going to catch, he's going to fall in love with it. And so we set the lines out. I'm trying to kind of play it cool and I'm just praying like crazy. And then all of a sudden to my great surprise, we start catching fish, you know, and I try not to, as a guy, you never want to act surprised when you actually catch fish. Like, oh yeah, no, it's always like this in September. And we're catching fish. We're catching mostly little fish, like little pinks and coho and whatever. And, and, uh, you know, so like eight, ten, but you know, two fish, four fish, six fish, and, and, and we're laughing, and we're like some double headers, and there's, there's abundance, and, and feel like God is answering my prayers. It was amazing, like holding up fish, we're taking selfies. It's like, this is working, like it's good, like, and this is a coho, this is about a 12-pound coho, that's actually kind of a little fish for our area, so we're catching some fish. This is a picture from that day. This is like, this is me, and that smile is like, Mm-hmm. It's working. Like Jesus is answering prayers right now, but play it cool, right? So like we're catching little fish and then I just have the audacity. I'm like, Lord Jesus, come on. Like, could we just catch one? Like any fisherman is like always a praying person too, right? So I'm like, could we just catch one king salmon? I know that they're not around right now so much, but look, just if we could catch one, I could show this prospective buyer the, the beauty of this area. I could show them. So we put our lines down deep. We're down to like the last 45 minutes. Wrong time of year, wrong tide, wrong space, deep lines, and I'm praying like crazy. And then to my great surprise again, you know, here's this big fish and like a 20-pound king salmon. 
the guy, the prospective buyer. This is him. And you see that smile on his face? He's like, yeah, I love this place. And this is the guy. Like, this is the moment. This is the actual fish. This is the actual guy. This is the actual moment. September 2014, he goes on to buy the fishing lodge for us. It feels like a miracle because we haven't been able to sell it. Now, it's incredible. I felt like this miracle, really, it did. Because just the great abundance of fish, the great provision of a prospective buyer and all this, it was completely surprising. And I will tell you, because as I was looking at pictures to find these photos, this was September of 2014. We just wrapped September of 2017. So a lot of times when we ask for God to work in a certain way, we have to be ready to wait a while too. The journey wasn't all easy. It wasn't all simple. But God answered my prayers. God brought this perspective by. We were able to transition out the business that he now runs and kept the employees working. And I was able to focus on life here in Seattle, my marriage, my children, our church. It's amazing. And there is a promise that comes through Luke 5 that the Lord Jesus wants to encounter us in places of emptiness and self-sufficiency to fill us up. There are full net moments that Jesus says, I want you to experience my great provision, but I will caution you, says Jesus, it won't always be easy. Certainly it won't be for Peter. From this place of calling, he'll know failure. He'll know disappointment. He'll know shame. He'll know long journeys. He'll know hunger. The life of following Christ is not an easy one, but it is a full one. It is a rich one. And Jesus has this message for us as men and women, young and old, as when we encounter him again this morning, he wants to move us from places of self-sufficiency and shame and empty nets. He says, I want to fill you up And I want to bring to you fullness and renewal and purpose. It's your outline this morning. Jesus said, I want to fill you up. I want to renew you. And I want to give you in your calling as a follower of Jesus, I want to give you a new purpose. Fullness, renewal, purpose. We want to encounter Jesus through this text again. Let's look at the first point of our outline. Jesus encounters our self-sufficiency, our emptiness to bring fullness. Josh just read it for us, so I won't read it all, but if you look at your Bibles, Luke 5, verses 1 through 7, there's some pretty cool things to see. First, if we set the scene, Jesus in Luke 4 has just healed Simon's mother, mother-in-law, rather. He, he's done some good work, but Simon's back fishing. He's a professional fisherman. He's on the sea. He's got to provide for his family. And if you read the text from Luke 5 really deeply, you see there's two boats. And you see there's associates. Like Peter, we've painted them historically in the church as kind of like down and out fishermen, kind of like almost pseudo homeless or something. The fact of the matter is around the Sea of Galilee in the first century, there was a, there was a lot of abundance. They were selling fish from Israel around the Roman Empire. Peter is more than likely, he's a business owner. He's a businessman. He's, he, he's like, he's leading others. And, and so it's probably hard for him to follow Jesus at a level. He've already experienced some healing and some stuff, but he's down, he's got two boats, he's got employees, he's got work to do. And it, when we encounter Simon Peter at the beginning of Luke 5, he, he's been fishing all night, empty. And so there's, there's this, this moment that Jesus is like, you know, I, I want to encounter you. And he also is trying to, to, to feed the people who are hungry for more knowledge. The crowd is crowding around him listening. So Jesus is getting crowded out. Simon and his other boat, they're, they're back. They're running their fishing business. They're kind of on the seashore cleaning their nets. It's over. The session's over. It's done. Empty nets, 
clean nets. Like that means like, it's done, it's done. And these people who are feeling empty, they're crowding around Jesus. Jesus gets in Peter's boat. He's like, do you mind? And they push out a little bit to teach the people. Now this is cool because have you ever experienced where you're standing on a dock or in a boat and you speak and it sounds like you're, like you're like being amplified? It's called refraction. It's the same thing when you take a, you know, take a cell phone and you put it in a cup. It's like, look, it's a speaker. No, I mean, Jesus is in a boat and he's speaking and he's amplifying his, his voice over the water. Why? Well, it's refraction. So what happens when you're speaking over water is the water cools the air over the water and so sound waves can move further. Refraction. Kind of interesting. What's the point? Jesus knew that because he was there at creation. He's like, you guys want to see a cool trick? If I stand in this boat, I can speak to all these people. They're hungry. They're crowding around. So he's teaching the people. The, the fishermen are like, okay, Jesus is doing his thing. We're just kind of, we're exhausted. We fished all night. They're cleaning the nets. And then Jesus in the boat says, let's go. We're going to fish on the other side of the net, of the boat. We're going to cast our nets. And, and Peter says this thing to him like, you know, uh, well, Jesus, I, I don't think you really get what we've done here. Like, I know you're a carpenter from a different part of Israel. It's cool. He calls him master. It's kind of a synonym for sir. Like, sir, you know, uh, are you sure? And, and Jesus like, yes, I want to fill you up. I want to fill you up. It is what Jesus wants to do with us. He wants to bring his fullness. Now, if, if Peter's anything like me, Peter's cleaning his nets, and now Jesus has gathered this whole huge group of people around the emptiness of his nets. As fisher, any fisher folk in the room, fishermen, fisherwomen, okay, a few of us, there's a lot of pride with fishing, right? So when the fishing's good, you're like, uh-huh, there's like, you feel like more of a human being. And when the fishing's bad, you're like, oh, you know. So Peter's a professional, and all these people crowding around the empty nets, he's probably not real stoked about Jesus saying, now let's go out. There's a crowd going to watch you fish. We had this happen in the fishing business where I had a fishing show, national televised fishing show. They came to, to film a show, and I was the guide. They have a camera watching me, and we go the first three days without a single fish. They're like, all right, we got the camera ready. I'm like, I know, you've been staring at me for three days. And like, we were going by other boats, and they're kind of chuckling at me, and I'm like, oh man, there's nothing like failure with other people watching to amplify the, fa- the failure, so Peter's not real stoked about Jesus saying, hey, you know, I want, I want to fill you up. But this is really, really important because Jesus is waiting till, not just like it's early in the fishing session or it's midway, Jesus waits till it's all the way done to say, Peter, let's do it a different way because church, hear me on this. When we have setbacks in our lives, it can be a setup for God to do something really big and really important. Nobody likes setbacks. They don't. We don't. In my marriage, with my kids, in business, in church, like who wants to have discouragement or places where you don't feel like you're thriving? But Jesus says, I can encounter places that have been setbacks for you and I want to fill you up so that you'll know that I'm powerful. Jesus loves to do big things in our lives when it feels like maybe everything is lost. And so I don't know if there's places in you or people near you that just feel like they're washed up and it's over and it's done. I don't know. 
Are there people near you? Are there places in you that just feel like, no, that's an old story. I'll never be delivered from that sin. I'll never have fulfillment in that old relationship. There will never be forgiveness. There will never be deliverance from that bit of anxiety or depression. I'm not sure where God is speaking to you this morning, but I do know in this text that Jesus encounters once the story is done to say, we're gonna do it my way. And so if there's places in you or people near you that you've just written off as kind of a, hey, let's wash the nets and just be done with the situation, this person, maybe Jesus this morning is saying, I've got work to do there. I want to fill you up. And then this incredible thing happens. I've read this story like you have a million times, but I don't know why this felt important to me. Jesus is not sitting on the shore saying, Peter, good luck if you do, you know, throw your nets on the other side. He does that in John. The way John tells a different story, post-resurrection, beautiful. You can read it on your own. Uh, Josh taught the youth this last week about Jesus calls from the shore, cast your nets on the other side. They fill the boats. And then Jesus says, come and eat breakfast with me. This is a whole different story. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Jesus is teaching from the boats, and then he turns in the boat to say, I'm going with you. Peter, yeah, cast your nets on the other side. I got it. But it seemed really beautiful to me this week as I prayed over this that Jesus never leaves Peter. They go together. And it's like Peter's the wingman working on his nets while Jesus is preaching. And now Jesus says, I'm going with you. I'm going with you into your job, into your home, into your school. We never walk alone. We never walk alone. We, we don't, though we feel alone. But when we can practice the presence of Christ, what Jesus says, if you call upon my name, the Holy Spirit will live in you. And so we have the presence of God always available. So we ask, Lord, make me aware of how you're already present with me. And it will change you. It will when you remember you're not alone. I had this happen a couple months ago. I had this really hard meeting. And I was driving to the east side to meet with this person who was really dissatisfied with me. And it was calling into question you know, who I am as a person, whatever, and just failure because they're unhappy with this or that with the church. And I was just feeling this like anxiety and sadness. And I literally practiced, I was riding in the car with another guy from the church and I was like, can we just pray? And I just said, Jesus, will you be with me in this hard meeting? It felt totally different because I didn't feel so lonely. We have a helper who's always with us. He's always with us. We went to our, our dinner last night with our Bible study, and one of the little boys in the Bible study is five. His dad is a master builder. He's one of the best in the whole area. He's amazing. And, and the boy wants to be just like his father. It's very cute. He carries keys around and goggles, and he's a very quirky, beautiful little boy. And, and they've been building this treehouse together, father and son, always together, always together. We're hanging out last night, and he's like, do you want to see the treehouse? I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't seen it. So we go up there, and again, if I make a treehouse, please don't walk in it. You'll probably die. But my buddy's treehouse, you could rent on Airbnb for like $300 a night. This thing is primo. It's gorgeous. Views over the sound, and like, I'm like, this is nicer than my home, you know? So the five-year-old takes me to the treehouse. Again, he, he, this is his idea, and so he's, we climb the ladder, we sit up there, he's showing me around. So I was like, this is pretty sweet. He's like, yeah, yeah, I built it with my dad. I was like, okay, uh, did your dad help you at all? The dad's the master builder, the boy is five. Did your dad help you at all? He thought for a moment, he said, well, he carried some of the heavy boards, but I really did everything else. <laughs> I did everything else. I was dying laughing, and then I went back and told our friends, but here's the beautiful thing. Two things to catch. 
A, the father has built in such a way that the little boy honestly believed he was doing it all himself. Does that sound like anybody else you know? Like, God, you think you're doing the work of your life. You think you're doing the mothering. You think you're doing the heavy lifting. You're never alone. And how often are we the prideful one? Yeah, God's around a little bit, but it's pretty much, no. No, this father has built in such a way that this little boy thinks that he's done something. We have a helper. And in this story, Jesus is with Peter doing this abundant fishing to remind him that he wants to do a new story with fuller nets, more joy, more hope, more peace, transformed fullness. The second thing I want you to see here in verses 8, 9, and 10, Jesus encounter Peter's shame for renewal. That every one of us in the room, God wants to write a new story. We need to be renewed. Look at verse 8, 9, and 10 of Luke 5. It's very simple and very beautiful. The nets are full. Everybody's freaking out. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. Now, hold on to the Simon Peter thing because Luke is using the, his name Simon, Jesus changed his name to Peter. This is the, the last time you're going to see Simon in the whole book of Luke. Hold on to that Simon Peter thing. I'm going to do something with that in a moment. When Simon Peter saw this, the abundance of the fish, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and his companions, probably employees, were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John, John the sons of Zebedee, the Simon's partners. Jesus encounters him, and, and, and his reaction, Peter says, Go away. Away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. I am a sinful man. It's kind of surprising. Why is he talking about his own sin? There's, there's just full fish in nets. Why is this encountering Peter in such a way? Because in the presence of God's power, Peter is forced to deal with his own brokenness. And church, I, I really, really need you to get this. The way to glory as a follower of Christ in your retirement, in going into high school, in being in elementary school, being an, a new mom, being an old dad, wherever you're at in the room this morning, the, play to great, the, play, the way to greatness in God's story is from authenticity and humility. Peter models it here. He's abundant more than he had ever known, and he gets down on his face face-to-face with his own sin. And he's actually quoting Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah 6. Isaiah, when encountering God, says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When your eyes see the King, you get face-to-face with your own inadequacy. When your eyes see the King, you can say, I'm not worthy of being used in your story, God. When your eyes have seen the King, God says, be humble before me, and from that place of humility, I will restore you. I don't want you stuck in an old story of shame and self-condemnation, but you have to know the places that you've fallen short of my glory if you can be used for God's glory. Amen? This is God's big story in the Old Testament. He would call people and say, I want you to speak for me. And there's this scriptural legacy of people saying, I'm not worthy. Jeremiah said that. He said, I'm too young. If you're young this morning, you're not too young. Amos said it. I'm just a fig farmer. Who am I? Isaiah, I've got unclean lips. The people that God calls aren't wowed with themselves. They're wowed with God. And so he he doesn't want us stuck in a place of of shame and self-condemnation, but if we're going to be totally renewed, we have to face places where we've we've started small and God can use us from there. This is what Paul said to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says, Think of it when you were called. Not many were wise by human standards, not many influential, not many were noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. 
God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Therefore, as it's written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. And it's at this place when he's face down where Simon Peter calls Jesus Lord. Remember, in verse 5, he calls him master, means sir. Like he's being almost, maybe a little bit catty. Sir, we fished all night. I know you're a carpenter. You've done some cool things. You healed my mother-in-law. That was great. But, you know, you don't really get what it's like to be me. But now that he's encountered the power of God is where he actually calls Jesus Lord, ruler. He says, get away from me. I'm not even worthy to... To, to be with you, and it's in this place that Jesus restores him. And this is what I want you to hear, church, because I was raised in a different context. I was raised in a church where everybody had it all together, where nobody ever sinned, where the sin management was the most important thing. How we showed our love of God is if we didn't do this, do, 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 do. Okay? Our behavior matters only because we will make bad decisions at times that take us out of God's story from our own shame. But Jesus wants to restore us and, we, and, and to anchor us in this big, big story that, that we can say, we can be honest when we fail. We can confess our sin to our kids like, I, I shouldn't have yelled there. We can blow it when marriage gets hard instead of just making a list of what you're not receiving. Say, here's my part of what's not going well. In places of friendship, when you fail, saying, you know, I probably could have done that better. Again, not stuck in shame, but from places of humility and dependency, saying, Jesus, can you make me better in your story than I can do without you on my own story? When we face our brokenness, Christ will make us whole. And this is kind of what I need you to hear. There's no shortcuts on the journey of God's healing and renewal. We must face our brokenness and our emptiness and our hurts. Because when we as a church can do that, now we can rely on the power of God. When we're just kind of pretending that we've got everything well on our own, we don't need God so much. We're just doing sin management. And that's where the church starts to drift from the gospel of Christ. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet all are restored by the cross. And so may we be a church that can be honest. This was Simon's story. He, he, he was able to get on his face, and then Peter says there, again, it's important, verse 8, Simon Peter saw this, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man, and that's the place of renewal for him. But the Simon Peter, because Simon's the old name, and in John 1, a different telling of the same story, Jesus looked at him, and he looked at Simon, and he said, your new name is Peter, Cephas, which means the rock. And God has this kind of tradition in in people that he uses in big stories to change their names, to rewrite the old and give them a new story. So Abram became Abraham, the father of many nations, in the book of Genesis. Sarai became Sarah, the mother to many. Jacob, the one who follows another, became Israel, one who, one who excels with God. Peter goes from Simon, and whatever shame and, and his old story, Jesus is like, I'm gonna call you your new name. And what's very interesting in Luke 5 is this is the last place last time Jesus will, will use the word Simon. From this place forward, when Luke talks about Peter, they just call him Peter, unless his name is being quoted by somebody else. He has a new story, renewed fully, this new name that God wants to give us new names. And I don't know where you're at this morning, if you're carrying an old story that someone has spoken over you, or an old distance from God that feels like you're never going to be close with God, or an old hurt, or an old embarrassment, or an old relationship failure. God this morning just wants to remind you that that face-to-face with places where you failed and, and blown in the past is where God says, let me renew you. Let me renew you and give you a new story. 
give you a new story. When the place of humility and renewal, Jesus is like, now, finally, you're ready to be full of me and being a blessing into our world. And that's our final point of our outline, that that's really our, our purpose, that Jesus encounters our calling to give us purpose, deep purpose, bigger than just what's on our job description. Because when our calling is merely our job description, our identity will constantly be shifting. Well, I was this, but now I'm retired, so who am I? You know, I'm just a student, so I'm too young to make an impact. Uh, you know, I was, my job description had me at this place, but then that changed or it shifted. Or I, like, if our, if our calling is just what we do in the world, we'll always experience a sense of longing for deeper identity. Jesus like, my purpose is to, to use you as fishers of men, catchers of men and women, that your life would be a blessing to others. That is your purpose. Look at verse 10 and 11 of Luke 5. Luke 10b, then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore, they left everything, and they followed him. It's this amazing reversal where Peter is face down saying, I don't even deserve to be in your story. And then, you know, two verses later, they're walking off after the Lord. And this is really significant too. If you think about the fact that they've just experienced abundance that they've never experienced before in a commercial success, likely tens of thousands of dollars, because every one of those fish in those nets would have been sold at market somewhere else in the Roman Empire. And, and Peter and, and, and James and John, they leave it. They leave tens of thousands of dollars in the nets in order to follow Christ. I'm not sure what Christ might be calling you to leave this morning, but let's tell the truth that in God's big story, at times we have to leave things. We have to leave something that might be more comfortable or, or more affluent and, and take this hard walk after Jesus. And in the face of this provision, even though they've had more success than they ever dreamed of, it's in relationship to Christ their lives finally make sense, their identity, their purpose. Like, you know, we've, we've hit the home run of all home runs here as fishermen, but now we want to follow Christ because he's spoken this word over my life. Do not fear, just follow me. Just follow me. That's interesting if you look at the original language, because one of the things we say in the fishing world a lot, we have this joke, cheesy joke. Someone would call it, you know, we're guiding. You've been out sometimes for like 10 or 11 hours. Fishing can sometimes be very long waits between activity. And someone will call on the VHF radio and they say, how's fishing over there? And then we'll say, well, the fishing's great, but the catching's slow. Yak, yak, yak. You know, and it's like, that gets like a cheap, because what are we saying? Fishing and catching are two different things. You can go fishing with grandpa all day long and be bored stiff. These guys have fished all night. They've, they've done what they've always done. They've had no luck. So what is Jesus saying at the end? He says, from now on you will fish for people. The word that Jesus actually spoke when, when Luke wrote this down in the Greek was fish. It actually means, it's zogreo, which word means catch. What, what Jesus actually says is don't be afraid. From now on you will, you'll, you'll catch You'll, you'll impact the lives of others. You will be successful. Zogreo means to entrap, to ensnare, to take alive, to produce, to have more abundance than you expect. So Jesus isn't like, from now on, we're just going to go sit around on boats and fish with a, you know, he's like, no, no, we're going to do stuff. Your life and following me will have an impact in the lives of others. You will be fruitful. You will have purpose. You will have this new name to live into, and you will be successful as you follow me. And they leave what they know to follow him. Now, 
I wish it was just that simple, right? Because that's the story that we would love to live into. Abundance, fruitfulness, full nets, I'm in. I tell you this successful story and then I would need to tell you it, it takes years to actually finish the deal full of all sorts of heartaches. Some of you are in the midst of saying yes to something God called you to and it's really hard in the middle of it. And you're like, geez, I don't understand. I want the full nets. I'm trying to trust you. Why is there dissonance between stepping into your calling and knowing the abundance? For many of us, it's because God is in the middle of shaping our will. Shaping our will. This theologian, Chris Green, speaks about this when he says, obedience is not a breaking of our will by a more powerful will. No, obedience is a healing of our will by participation in its source. A healing of our will, that we would will to love God above ourselves, that we would will to be a blessing in the lives of others instead of have conflict, that in our new purpose, that Jesus says, I want to heal you and give you a new purpose, a new identity, a new and deeper will, and this will take time. Are you in? Are you in? Like, don't fear anymore. Are you in? You will catch and you'll know abundance and you'll be successful. Life can still be hard sometimes, certainly will be for Peter, but are you in? And if I could read to you the end of the Isaiah 6 passage that Peter had spoken himself when he says, woe to me, look at the rest of Isaiah 6. It's very informational towards this challenge for us to say yes to a purpose of loving God and loving others. Isaiah 6, 5 through 9, prophet Isaiah says, remember Peter's already quoted this, woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined, I'm a man of unclean lips, but my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Verse 6, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I, the prophet Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. Here am I, send me. Lord God, I I want a big story. I, I want to be full and renewed and have purpose. I want deep meaning and I know that life will sometimes be hard. I'm gonna face my brokenness to say yes to your grand mission. And when we say yes, And when we take the long journey of following Jesus, God can impact others through us. Peter in Acts 2, after the Holy Spirit falls, look at Acts 2, Peter's words as he preached to the crowd in Jerusalem after Jesus had ascended. This is is later in the Jesus story. He is now ascended to be with, with God the Father, and Peter is his chief emissary, the rock of the church. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, 3,000 in all. And the church started by this Simon Peter, a guy who sat in the boat feeling like, you know, it's pretty fruitless right now. And Jesus says, do not fear anymore. I want to give you a new and deeper purpose. Peter's life was not easy, but it was good. I want to encourage you to... Like whatever God is encouraging you this morning, as if you have Simon moments in your life of, of shame or guilt or con- an old story, Jesus this morning is saying, like, let's let it go. And what new story can, can God call you to? A new name, a, a purpose of loving him and loving others to impact people. That we would be people of impact and legacy and transformation because if we hunger for Jesus, if we've met him, if we've experienced him, we'll leave everything to follow, to follow him. May that be our story. Deeper and deeper and deeper in love with him, impacting other people. You know, September 2014, 
the prayers answered, the coho, the prayer answered the big fish. We'd sit over the next day and write rough details of a deal that would eventually transform the business. And, and that afternoon, I got in a float plane to fly home. As I sat in that float plane, I could feel, I could feel my world shifting. Because I was going from fisherman to something else to being able to pursue a life of following Jesus. This is a picture of that cockpit on that flight home. And as I was flying back over the inside passages, I flew over the border, over the San Juan Islands, into the city of Seattle, and I could see millions and millions of millions of empty nets of people that need the love of Jesus Christ. And in that cockpit that day, I was like, God, I don't even know exactly how you'll use me, but I just, I want to be an instrument of your love and blessing. So he says, okay, go home and love your wife. Go home and love your kids. And then love the Lord God with all your heart and be a blessing to impact others, that your life would be full, that you would be renewed in his story from places of shame to places of inspiration, and that we would have new purpose, fuller nets for his glory. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for this fun text to teach and remind us that in Peter's story, God, you did this miraculous thing in front of all these people. You filled the nets, and from that place of provision and, and, and glory, God, is where you called Peter to serve you. We know that saying yes to your big story means leaving stuff and making hard decisions in our relationships and our vocation. And may you inspire us still, God to make you the Lord of our lives. May you allow us to see our brokenness and failures and places of the past, our old name. May you just help us remember that those stories are done. May you give us this new name of encouragement, of peace, of hope, of joy, of love. And may we live a life loving you and loving other people so that through our lives the world would see you. God, we know there are many, many, many empty people in our city longing for more joy and purpose and meaning. Okay, we don't claim to be the source of this life, but we do claim to worship the one that is the source. We do claim to worship the filler of the nets. We do claim to speak your name with love to people that need you. God, give us more boldness to speak about you. Give us more conviction to make amends with people that maybe we've written off. That's just a washed up old story. Help us see places in us and people near us that need a new dose of your Holy Spirit. And Lord God, use us, fill us up to send us out that our lives would be an impact in the, in the city that we live. We love you, God. Thank you for loving us. In your name we pray, amen. Will you stand with us as we close in song? I just want to remind you, as always, we have prayer ministers that would long to pray with you if you're carrying a burden this morning. Let's sing and close.